This is episode number 34 of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jessie Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health, and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of To Birth and Beyond. It's Jesse Mundell. Anita is taking a break from the podcast this week. We have a guest, Chrissy King, and unfortunately just the timing didn't work out with all three of us to get on at the same time. So it is Chrissy and I today. Chrissy, thanks so much for being on with us. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you for a little bit today. Yeah, so fun to talk with you. So quick intro for people who aren't familiar with your work. Chrissy King is a Milwaukee-based ISSA certified personal trainer, lifestyle coach, and fitness blogger. Chrissy teaches her clients and community that fat loss and weight management doesn't have to be cumbersome and restrictive. You don't need to spend hours in the gym and you don't have to ban any foods from your diet. You can create a system sustainable lifestyle that you genuinely enjoy. Lastly, she wants you to know that you can love your body in every stage regardless of your body fat percentage. No shame, no guilt, just self-acceptance. Chrissy is the creator of the Body Confidence Challenge, Power Conditioning, and Barbell Badass online programs. So with Chrissy today, we're going to be talking about bodies, body image, race, intersectional feminism. We're going to be digging into these topics that are so integral to be talking about when we speak about pregnancy, postpartum, birth, motherhood, fitness, exercise, all of these topics, we have to address these other these other topics as well to be able to have holistic conversations about it. So again, Chrissy, thank you so much for being on. I was trying to think where I found you, first of all, and I think it was because we met at the Girls Gone Strong event in Seattle a year and a half ago maybe at this point and then I just fell in love with your work and my husband loves your work too so we're big Christy <laughs> King fans in this house oh that's awesome I know that it seems like it was so long ago but it actually wasn't now that you say that I'm like yeah I guess it wasn't that long ago but it feels much longer though it but really yeah. Does. yeah yeah okay so tell us more about yourself and the work that you do with your clients currently yeah, so um, a lot of the things that you said in the intro uh, still hold very true. Um, I also am a writer. Um, I love writing about all the topics that you said we're going to talk about today. They're like my favorite things to talk about um, with my writing and with my clients. Um, and so I do a lot of one-on-one coaching with my clients. Um, so a lot of people come to me, some have fat loss goals, some have strength goals. I'm a power lifter. So it's kind of a mix in terms of what my clients come looking for. Some people want to um, work on their fitness 
fitness and their like lifestyle and also work on body image. So I kind of do a little bit of all those things depending on what exactly people are looking for. And I think that most people that find me come to me because I talk a lot about body image or intersectional feminism um, and how all of the things are very much related. Um, so I really, really enjoy the work that I do with my one-on-one clients. Um, and then obviously I, I create some programming as well, like do-it-yourself programming, which I love because I fell in love. I, I love strength. It just is really empowering to me. Um, so I do a lot of that. And so those are all the things that I really, really enjoy. I love it. I, my coaching is purely strength training based coaching as well. Mm -hmm. Um, tell us how you found strength training initially and how did it change you and your relationship with your body? Yes. So I'm going to be completely honest because I thought I always am. But when I first started um, the gym, I literally, I joined the gym because my sister had joined the gym and I was just like, well, we don't even work out. What are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm going to come too. So I went with her and initially we we're just like doing some cardio, like on the machines, uh, like a treadmill and stuff because that's all we knew. I didn't have like a background in athletics. Like I played some sports when I was really young and then I spent like all of my adolescent middle school, like writing and reading. <laughs> so I didn't do a lot of athletic stuff. Um, so anyways, she joined the gym and then she got a personal trainer. So I was like, well, if you're going to train her, I'm going to train her. So I, I hired the same trainer as her. And I very much remember our first session because I told the trainer, like, listen, I just want to be skinny. So that's like my goal here. That is why I'm here. And she's like, okay, cool. Let's go lift some weights. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, I don't need to do that. Like, that's not what I came here for. I literally remember telling her, like, I don't need muscles. Like, that's not going to serve a purpose in my life. And she was just like, okay, but just trust me. Like, let's just do some stuff. And I remember my first session was 30 minutes. And I literally thought I was going to die. Like, it was the hardest 30 minutes of my life. Um, but I came back and I kept coming back. And what happened is I really, really started to like the process. And I started to like notice like last week I couldn't do like 20 bodyweight squats felt like like a thousand. And then all of a sudden like, oh, that wasn't as bad. And so I really, really started falling in love with strength. Eventually through like a whole series of events, she ended up leaving. I was at a commercial gym with her. Her boyfriend started like a small strength and conditioning gym and I ended up going there. And it was like the first time ever I had been in a gym like that. And I saw people like deadlifting and squatting. And I was just like, whoa, what is this? This is really cool. And there were like women in there doing that. And I never had witnessed that before. Um, so anyways, eventually I started doing those type of workouts. I started powerlifting. And it was such a like transformational thing for me because growing up, my story and even my family, like everybody always said, like, I was a weakling, like, that's just who I was, right? So I didn't have any physical strength. And I actually just thought I was a weak person. That's just what I had the narrative I told myself. And so once I started powerlifting, I realized, wow, like, I'm actually pretty strong, like, this is cool. And I also learned that like, strength is a skill, it's learned and like, like anything else that you learn, right? Um, and so then like, that really transformed my mind, because I realized like all those things I told myself weren't true. That was just like what I thought was the case. Um, and so, yeah, I really started falling, I really fell in love with strength training, powerlifting. I eventually started competing. Um, and I think what was so transformational for me about strength training was like, actually, yeah, I did totally transform my body, but like actually in hindsight, that wasn't like the best part. Any like the coolest part about it for me was that like, it really helped me realize like, I create the narrative. So all these things that I had been telling myself I couldn't do or were just who I was, wasn't necessarily the truth. Um, and so I really helped me to start like reevaluating every part of my life. Like the things that I thought I wanted, was that what I really wanted? Or is that like what societally I thought I was supposed to want? Um, 
And so it really just helped me transform everything. And I just found strength that I, I always had. I just didn't know I had. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when Chrissy says she's pretty strong, she's really, really strong. <laughs> <laughs> you need to follow her on Instagram. I love your training videos. I watch oh, every one of them. On that note, though, of changing your narrative about yourself, I love this. This is such a key piece of the coaching that I do, too. And I think any really good strength coach, especially working with women, you realize that the coaching is not just about the exercise. In fact, that's probably the smallest part of what you're talking about. You're talking about all these different topics. Yes. <laughs> so you were, I think it was on your Instagram story recently, you mentioned something about being your own best hype woman. Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean to you? Um, so, you know, it's so interesting because I think I spent so long and so many years of my life, like being very self-conscious and wondering what other people thought about me and really looking for validation from other people that like the choices I'm making were okay. Did I look okay? Like really needing the external validation and praise from people. And like, that is such a crutch because, um, for one, like you start making decisions based on the reaction you want to get from people and not what you really want. Um, and two, like sometimes people don't cheer you on like you want them to. Right. And actually it's not their responsibility. Like I always say, like, I'm very grateful to have amazing friends. Cause I do, but like, you have to be willing to like cheer yourself on. You have to be willing to be like, yeah, I'm the shit and that's okay. And I think, for so many women, we've been taught like we should have to be very humble and like we shouldn't talk about ourselves in that way. And I'm like, listen, I'm, this is real life. My husband laughs at me because he'll see me and I'll be in the mirror like, damn, bitch, you look good today. <laughs> like, I'm always just talking to myself and like telling myself I look amazing and like, you're fucking crushing. And I just think it's so important that you like hype yourself up and like, it's so cool to hype your friends up too. And I hope that everybody shows up for the friends in that way. But also hype yourself up, like be in love with yourself because you have to love yourself before anybody else can do that for you or can show up the way you think they should. So yeah, I just like hype yourself up, be own that unapologetically, like talk about yourself like you're amazing without, without feeling guilty about it. Cause there's no shame in that. Yeah, isn't that so crazy that we're like, oh my gosh, I can't do that. Or that feels so awkward and uncomfortable. No. No. How did we get here? (laughs) I don't know how we got here. I have no idea how we got to this place where we think it's not okay. And I always think about too, like men, they never, they like, they like overhype themselves, right? (laughs) Like about everything. (sighs) And and that's good for them, right? But like, we got to show up the same way for ourselves. I just think it's so important to just, yeah, be your own hype woman. And, and also too, like I, I did a challenge recently and I was talking to women about like taking pictures of yourself and posting them without feeling like, oh, I'm being vain by posting it. Like, no. And, and, and also too, accept that like, maybe that's not your thing and that's okay. So you don't have to force yourself to do something that doesn't feel good for you. But if that feels good for you, then fucking do it and own it. And it's totally cool. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I posted a photo on Instagram the other day and I was wearing this dress. It was in the mirror talking about like just embracing, not even embracing, but like really loving and getting comfortable about this version of my body right now. Yeah. And someone commented on it saying like, I looked great. And despite the unflattering lighting, I looked amazing. I was like, no, no, no. It's not about the lighting. I look great. Full stop. Because I look great. <laughs> yeah. Right. Period. Like, it doesn't matter. And I saw that too. And what I really loved about that is your, your picture um, is because I think, like, when we talk about, like, self-acceptance and self-love, like, 
people like your your body's always going to be different, always going to be changing, right? So like you have to be able to love yourself in all the different iterations and versions because this one version is not going to be. I can promise you, it's not going to be the way it is forever. Life is going to change, and one of the interesting things for me that I found recently is I'm definitely not the leanest I've ever been or anywhere close to leanest I've ever been, but I'm so fucking comfortable in my body right now. Like nobody can tell me anything about how I look. I just love it. Like it doesn't matter. I'm much softer than I've ever been, but I just feel so comfortable in in the body, in my body. Um, And I just think it's really important to be able to love yourself and all the different variations because there's always going to be so many different ones. Incredible. And that is the constant change is the constant And for us on this podcast, we're often talking about how that is the normal when we're going through pregnancies, births, postpartum, perhaps another pregnancy, going through the whole process again. And that is, that is exactly what I'm going through again right now, 11 weeks postpartum tomorrow. And this is, this is a different version of my body again. Three Mm -hmm. years ago when I had my first baby, it was a different version of my body again. It just is, and I think that these experiences have taught me so much about exactly what you're saying about being in this body right now. Yeah, yeah. Learning to not just accept this body, but to really be excited about it. I think that so many lessons there. It is, and I love to talk about that too without taking this conversation too far a different direction, but I think... Like self-acceptance, I think, is a great first step, but I can't, that can't be the end goal, right? Because like to accept something is just like, eh, you know, eh, whatever. But like I actually, and I get that like if you hate your body right now, to jump to the place like you really feel love it and feel comfortable in it, that's like a huge jump, right? So most people can't do that in one step. So I think working towards being neutral in your body or accepting it is like a great first step. But eventually, like my goal is that everyone actually loves the version of their body that they're in at the moment, you know? Yeah, for sure. Huge journey, but such a worthy one. Absolutely, yeah. So let's talk about this blog you had written called Our Life's Purpose is Not to Shrink. I'm going to read a little chunk of it that I love from it, and then I just want to talk about that a little bit more. So you said, we can spend our energy focusing on shrinking, or we can use our energy on creating magic and change in the world. We can leave our mark on the world, or we can play small. It's really hard to do both. I would argue it's impossible. My life's work is not to shrink, and neither is yours. Now more than ever, the world needs us to show up powerfully and confidently. The days of sitting by the sidelines in silence are over. We are done shrinking our bodies, our voices, our talents, and our ability, our lives. So that gave me goosebumps just reading that out loud, and I just love it so much. So how can we start shifting our mindset to this? Yeah, so... um again, like so many things I talk about are because of my own experiences. Right. And so same thing, like I just spend so much energy. I know the energy I wasted when I was just like, Oh, when I get the perfect this or when my body looks like this, then I'll do this thing. Then I'll wear this outfit. Then I will feel comfortable to go for this job, like whatever. Right. Could go on and on and on. Uh, and realistically, like, focusing on those things, like just literally sucks the energy out of us to do things that we could actually be doing, create change in the world. And like, um, obviously here in the States, we got like, things are like messed up, right. On a major, so messed up. And so there's so many things that 
I can be doing, that we can be doing. And they don't have to be huge monumental things. Like I am not going to single-handedly change the world. That's just not possible. But I can do things in my little sphere of influence to create change. Um, And when I was spending all of my energy obsessing about how much I weighed, obsessing about like what I look like, being worried. And we talk about shrinking in terms of like our voice, being worried about like, well, if I say what I really feel, what are other people going to think? Are people going to like me? Are people going to be offended? Like when we stay in that place, we don't have the energy to do anything magical, right? And magical, whatever's magical, that's going to be different to each individual, right? Like magical for one person could be like writing a book. Magical for someone else could be like teaching us. It could be all different things, right? And so I actually had to get to a point for myself personally. Like I stopped worrying about shrinking my body years ago, and that was a lot of work to get to that place. And that looks, that looks like you know, just really questioning my own values, but why I felt the way that I felt and realizing that so much of what that like standards of beauty are made up, like that they're actually created to profit from us. Right. Because if they can make us feel insecure about bodies, then we need to buy this thing to fix this and to do that. So it's really like a big sham anyways. But then when it came to me, like, I think it was only like in the last two years where I realized like, especially being online, that I wasn't showing up fully as myself because I was worried about what other people were going to think, right? And so there's so much stereotypes about like angry black women and all these things that I felt like, well, I should just, I should be really play it safe because I don't want people to think I'm, even though I know I'm not an angry black person, right? Or an angry black woman, because anger is an emotion. We all have anger and anger is justified. Anger is okay. Um, Those aren't bad things, right? Um, but that's not a characteristic of me. I'm just a black woman and sometimes I'm angry. Right. So I was spending so much time like trying to talk about how I said things or just not saying things that I really wanted to say because I was worried about what if people don't want to follow me or people don't like or unsubscribe. And I just had this moment where I was like, I am not being authentic. Right. And when you're not authentic, like you're not like, I didn't feel comfortable. Um, and more importantly, like I, thought about who am I trying to attract? I want to attract people who actually like the person I am and they can't like the person I am if I don't show them who I am. And, and honestly, like forget the people who aren't interested in talking about like feminism or intersectional feminism, race or politics and want to say like, I didn't come here for that. Well, we're not a match for each other. And the sooner we find that out, the better because we'll save each other time. Right. And that goes just not just for online, but in terms of personal relationships too, it's like, it's really important for me to be aligned with people who share my value system. Um, and it's totally, and I think it just comes from a place of understanding, like it's totally okay. If someone doesn't like you, that's totally fine. Um, and like the world would go on and you guys can both have great lives and you don't have to like each other (laughs) and it's okay. Um, and so I just think that like, it just, it comes down to me to like forgetting about and not worrying about what other people think about us, like in terms of how we look, in terms of what we, we feel in terms of our life choices. Like the only people that we can be concerned about is, am I look in the mirror? Am I happy with what I am? Am I happy with the mark that I'm leaving in this world? And then the other thing to remember too, is like at the end of the day, like when I die and people are at my funeral, nobody is going to be like, Oh my God, she had the best abs in the world. <laughs> like at least I hope they don't. Right. Like I hope people reminisce on the way I make them feel. And like the things that I did that were beneficial to the world, not like how I looked like I, that doesn't matter at the end of the day. Right. So it's just like putting those things in perspective. And I know I'm saying all these things, like it's just like super simple. It's not necessarily that simple. Um, and it takes a lot of, a lot of discomfort, to be honest, but it's always so worth it, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So interesting, actually, when you were speaking about that, I was thinking 
it was phase one for me too to stop thinking about wanting to constantly shrink my body and yeah. then phase two was not shrinking my voice and that's kind yeah. of the journey that you went on to Absolutely. and 100% about being online too and showing up as myself yeah and a lot of the comments that I tend to get, I'm interested if it's for you too, on posts where I am being vulnerable are people congratulating my my being brave or having courage. And I find that so interesting sometimes because just the things that we are complimented on being brave about, whether it is showing my body or speaking up about a specific incident or a cause. And so many times I'm like that's not brave that is just how I am that's just how I'm showing up that's just how I feel this is just it it's just it Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah so I'm gonna be like really honest um I don't so when I'm talking about my body I think I get a lot of uh, comments like yeah oh same thing like you're really brave like all that you love your like it's really cool I wish I could do that those kind of things when I speak up about like racial or justice issues, um, I get a lot of comments um, like, I'm, I can't believe that still happens, or I'm so sorry you have to deal with that, or um, I'm shocked. I can't imagine that still happening. And it's interesting because like I have a hard time with comments like that because I do understand the intent, but then there's also the feeling that like, wow, you live in such a bubble that you didn't know these things happen like every day because the things that I'm talking about aren't like new. They're not different. That these things have been happening forever. Um, and it just is a reminder that it's like, and I don't blame people for it. It's not like I'm angry at them, but it's also a reminder that like, it's so easy to be blind to what doesn't personally affect you. Um, and so that I think is the thing that the, those are the kind of comments I get the most from people. And especially like, I get a lot of DMs about that kind of stuff and it's just always, I don't know, it's it's a, like I'm a work in progress in terms of how I handle it um, because sometimes, honestly, I don't have the energy to be like, well, you know, I just don't feel like it. So I just say, cool, thanks, and then keep moving. Um, so it really just depends on how I'm feeling. But yeah, it's really interesting though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was reading through one of Rachel Cargill's posts on Instagram this morning Um related to the black man in Dallas who was murdered by Mm -hmm. the white police officer. And there were, it's exactly what you're talking about, comments from people on her post, shock and awe. And she was like, no, this, Mm -mm. we're done being shocked about this. What are you doing? What action steps are you taking? Yeah. And that's exactly it though, because it's like, it's so, it's interesting because for like, for you to tell me or not you, but like a person to tell me, Like, I'm so shocked. I feel so sorry for you. It's like, well, your sorrow, being sorry doesn't really change society, right? Like, like it doesn't change the, the, it doesn't change the systematic racism that happens in this country every single day. And that's literally been happening since slavery ended. Like, so being sorry is not really an action step. Like, what are you willing to do so that this doesn't have to be the same thing so that we're not thanks in 10 years? I think the most interesting thing or one of the interesting things for me Um, that I think part of this like phenomena that we're having right now in terms of like people saying, I can't believe this is happening is because the availability and accessibility of social media. And so I think a lot of people think like police brutality is like a new thing, but like police brutality has been happening forever. Like maybe it wasn't as public and it wasn't like we didn't have Facebook and Instagram to like showcase these things as often. And if it's outside your realm of like 
being, then you wouldn't know. But like, none of this is new. Like this is literally hundreds and hundreds of years. It's been the same thing has been happening, you know? Yeah, absolutely. On that note, people should go read one of the more recent blogs you posted. What was the title of it? 10 things to never say. If you want to be a better person. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's a good one. Um, And it was, Again, I try to like keep my writing light. Like I meant every one of those 10 things, but I try to keep it a little bit light. So it's not like too harsh, but like all of those things are things that I hear all the time. Yeah. And if people just never said it again, it'd be really great. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. We're going to come back to this topic of race more specifically in talking about the fitness and health industry. Um, yeah. But I want to talk about a couple more things related to bodies And one of them is, and again, this is all related into this whole conversation. We can't separate any of these things that we're speaking about, but on apologizing for your body. And this is something that you have written about and something that I have done a lot of work around too personally, because I realized I was apologizing for my body in many different ways, Um, not specifically verbal, but in the ways I was showing up or lack thereof. So Mm -hmm. when did you realize you were doing this in your own life and in your own body? And what ways were you doing this? I think I started apologizing for my body when I was like nine. (laughs) Um, And so I didn't know it at the time. Like I didn't think about it that way. But I remember like, so I tell this story all the time, but I went to, um, so interestingly, I was homeschooled until I was like eight. And then I went to a a small Christian private school. um, And so there were no other black kids in the school except for my sister and my brother and me. So, um, you know, like I never had been in school with people, period. So it was already a culture shock. And then I went to school. There was like nobody like me. Um, And so anyways, I remember, um, you know, having different hair from other girls. And like up to that age, it never really been a concern for me. Like I just, that's what I look like. So anyways, I had a sleepover at a friend's house and like everyone was playing with each other's hair. And someone's like, oh, can we play with your hair? And just because it's curiosity, right? Kids like are curious about things. Um, and I remember them like playing in my hair and they were like, ew, gross. Like, why does it feel like that? And I was like so ashamed and embarrassed um, because I was a kid and I didn't really understand like it's okay to be different and all these things. And I remember like um, because like black most black kids they put like my mom moisturized my hair with oils to keep my hair moisturized because we have very dry dry hair and so that's what they were talking about and also the texture and so I remember like mom going home and I didn't tell my mom what happened I just didn't want to put oil in my hair anymore um and so like I would fight with my mom about it or I wouldn't put it in and my hair would get like so dry I remember one time I was like combing my hair and I could like see it breaking up because it was so dry Um, and then I also, um, asked to get a relaxer so I could have straight flowing locks. And so that was like, that was like when it started for me because I just wanted to fit in. I didn't want to be different from everybody else. And so that was definitely my way of apologizing for my body. I was, um, I'm also, I'm very tall. I'm almost six feet, but I was really tall at a very young age. Like, it's so funny actually looking back now because I look like the teacher in the picture. (laughs) It's so funny. But Anyways, I always, I always joke. It's really not funny, but I always make a joke that I was like the hired help because like all the, we were like, we were dressed up for like Thanksgiving and I'm like in the back and I'm like a foot and a half taller than everybody else. And I'm the only black girl. And I was like dressed up for like, um, Thanksgiving. And I'm like, now I'm like, Oh my God, what's the help? (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so being really tall. So I remember like in high school, even like I didn't ever want to wear heels because I was like, well, I'm already too tall. Like I need to shrink down and I'd like had poor posture. So I think I've just always been 
feeling different and feeling like I need to apologize for what I looked like. Um, and so I think it just started at a really early age for me. And I think so many people feel that way, right? You feel othered and you just start apologizing without realizing it. And then I think then so many habits that become what we think we want are really just the ways that we're adapting to how we think we should show up. Yeah. Do you still catch yourself doing that in any ways? Um, sometimes I think it's less and less now, but definitely, um, I catch myself like not necessarily, like I'll put something on and I'll look in the mirror and be like, Ooh, I don't know if that, and I'll think maybe I should change. I'm like, no, I'm not going to change. Like there's nothing wrong with what I have on. So I think it's always a thing that like, yeah, you'll catch yourself doing it. Or, um, I catch myself like I'll fall into, like if I go to a fitness event for something in particular, I will catch myself like, well, everybody's so tiny and I'm not. And then I like, catch myself and I always have to like remind myself. So I think it's, I think it's one of those things that's like brushing your teeth, right? You brush your teeth once. That doesn't mean you just stop doing it now. You just have to you brush your teeth every day. And so I think I have to always be working on my relationship with my body and body autonomy every day. It's just never something that you could just arrive and then you're done. Yes. I love that you said that because I think that's what a lot of people think is maybe that they're following us, following yeah. you, and they just think, oh, like she has it all together, and it's just so easy for her. And I don't think that's really it. It's easier, absolutely, but it is continual, consistent work that a lot of us are still doing around these things. Yeah, absolutely. Second thing, I want to talk about bodies with this quote that you mentioned as well. You said, confidence is an inside job. I love this. How do we build confidence? How is it an inside job? How do you teach people to do this? Yeah. So I think it's really, I think it's, I don't know. It's hard. I find it harder to teach people because I think the first thing, well, it's not hard to teach people. I just think you have to like realize a couple things. Number one, I think it's really important to like understand wholeheartedly that like your value as a person is not connected to your external appearance. Right. And when I really like really, really internalized that and understand that, then it, it really gave me the freedom and liberation to like fall in love with me. When I realized that it didn't matter what I looked like, that's not what made me who I am. Because as long as you are, as long as anyone I think is attaching their value to what they look like, then you're always going to feel out of sorts, right? Because like we talked about earlier, like your body is always going to be changing. And so once you affix, like when I look like this, I'll be happy. Like you're not always going to look like that. And, and also I don't know about you, but I, when I was in that place, I really, I reached the place I thought I'd be happy. And then I was still unhappy on the inside. Right. So I think it's just really important to know that. And once you realize that you can move from there, but Confidence is an inside job because it literally doesn't matter because when you're really, truly confident, at least for me, this is how I feel. When I know that I'm really confident, like I can step into any room and feel like I deserve to be there. I belong there. I'm totally okay. Every like, and to like, and it's when I say like, I deserve to be there, meaning like I bring value and worth to this. I bring value to this place just like anybody else is bringing this here. Right. And we stop putting people on pedestals in our lives. Not that we don't have a lot of respect for people, but, but understanding that like, there's not other people in, in, in an industry. It could be at your job. It could be in like an online space could be anywhere. Like no one is like a better person than you. Right. Like they could have a larger following. They could have done more work. But like their value is not more than you. And so I think that when you just get really confident with who you are, you just feel comfortable with yourself in any situation. 
it doesn't mean that you never question yourself, that you never have self-doubt because I do I have all those things. Um, but you trust yourself and you know that like, I'm okay, that this is good. Um, and I think for me, like when I, cause people say this to me all the time, they're just like, Oh my God, you just, you just walk into when you're so confident. And it's not about like putting on a facade of confidence. It's about actually feeling confident. So that's just like, that's who you are. Um, and again, I think that like, it's hard to talk about these things without people or without mentioning the fact that like, this is like years of work in front, you know, this is not like one day I woke up and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so confident now. Right. It's like years and years of work and it's years of year, years of being uncomfortable and it's years of years of like changing your narrative, um, and having like hard diet conversations with yourself, um, and unpeeling layers of the onion and getting closer and closer to your truer self. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that that's, again, just such good reminders for people to hear. And I think of that when I'm posting, say, photos of my postpartum body on the internet and people are saying it's brave. It just, that is actually part of my journey to this confidence is an inside job. And some of the things I say, I need to hear that stuff too. So as much as Mm -hmm. I'm saying it or showing it, it's for myself and it's reminders for myself and it, it is challenges for myself to step up even more. And so Absolutely. I, that's so it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I just, I just love to remind our listeners of that again, it, just like you said, it is the product of years of work and we will continue years of work along these same things too. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yesterday was World Physiotherapy Day. Anita, our co-host, is an incredible physiotherapist. However, I was seeing I was seeing many physios who I follow posting photos of World Physio Day and all these physios whom they had learned from. And I was realizing just how white the physiotherapy world is too. And this is yeah. not a first realization. I see it time and time again, but I saw no black women pictured as physios who they were learning from. I think I saw one woman of color in dozens of photos. It was largely white women, white men, and that was all I was seeing. So I know that you had a similar experience with this earlier in the year because you wrote this article called 2018, the year of intersectional fitness because hashtag fitness so white is so 2017. You were reading this article. These articles come out every year, the top however many 40 fitness professionals to follow and they are largely white people entirely in most cases, 95, 99%. and largely white women. I think Mm -hmm. that this is something, obviously you were hoping to see this change narrative. We're all hoping to see this change narrative around. Do you think we are seeing this shifting in the fitness (laughs) industry though? Uh, No, not really, (laughs) I'm being honest. And I think change takes time, so we have to realize that. Um, And it's really, uh, but no, I don't really see the change. And I say that because like, again, then you look at like, lineups for fitness conferences, lineups for, I mean, so we'll start there. Lineups for fitness conferences, largely white. And I think there are too many men too, to be honest, like largely white, but largely male. Um, And 
when you see, and like, I'm, I struggle with this, like trying to, I, I still struggle with this in so many ways because then you see like fitness accounts on Instagram or like fit, uh, fitness influencers. Um, and every, again, just like so white and the people that they promote on their pages and like the people that they use to market their products and like the opportunities who they go to. And, um, I think it's very frustrating in a lot of ways. So it's something that I, I keep talking about, but also it's like, um, I, I don't know. I go in phases of talking about it and not talking about it because at the same time, like, it's like, sometimes it feels like you're, you're just talking and, and while you think people hear you, you don't really see actual change happening. So, um, that doesn't mean that I should stop. I should continue to do it. I just think I go in, in phases of what I'm talking about and what I feel like talking about. Um, I just recently wrote an article for Girls Gone Strong. It didn't come out yet. Um, and it, it's kind of related to that topic. Um, so I don't think I've seen as much change as we need to. Like, no, not at all. <laughs> yeah. Short answer. No, no. Yeah, no. The answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> I want to make a point of talking about intersectional feminism and why it's yeah. imperative for not for us to not only understand this concept, but to live it. And we have a large number of fitness and health professionals, physiotherapists who listen to the show. And I think that it is extremely important for us as white women who might be listening, myself included, to take a strong look at the accounts we are following, who we are learning from, uh, the courses that we are putting together, who we're bringing on, say, as lecturers in those courses. So just give us a quick rundown what is intersectional feminism yeah so intersectional feminism is a coin a term coined by uh kimberly crenshaw um and so basically it's just like understanding the intersection of race politics um feminism all these things that if you are a black queer woman woman your intersections are so much different than being a white cisgender female or cisgender uh cis you, sorry, oh, a white cis woman. So, um, just like your experiences are going to be much different. And so like, you can't look through the lens of, I am a white woman. This is my experience in the world without understanding how being disabled or how being black or how being queer would change that experience. Um, and so I think it's really, really so important for fitness professionals. I think it's important for anyone, but I think it's so important. We're talking about fitness to, be looking at those different intersections when we're talking about fitness, right? And so last year, right around time Charlottesville happened, I wrote an article about like the silence of people in the fitness industry talking about what happened, right? Because what happened was a really big deal. And if Charlottesville, it was just a traumatic event. And so for myself as a black woman, like that affects my ability to feel safe in my own body. If these are the type of things that are happening in the United States where I live. Right. Um, and so to like not talk about those things under the guise of it's not related to fitness is a disservice to your clients, unless all of your clients are white and that's all that you're concerned about. Otherwise it's a disservice because I don't know any fitness professional can say that, like we talked about, like exercise is just the very small part, right? All the other things are what we really focus on. Those are what are, are magnified. And so if I'm feeling stressed or if I'm feeling unsafe or if I'm feeling traumatized or if I'm experiencing PTSD from the violence uh, that's happening to black people in this country, 
like you can't not talk about things if you're going to help me with my health and wellness because there's no way to separate those things because it's very much a part of my reality. Yeah. Um, so I just think uh, it's so important. And I, I know there's a tendency of people to feel like, oh, well, people didn't come here for that or I don't know how to properly talk about it or it's uncomfortable. Like those things are all might be true, but also like those are just cop out if I'm being completely honest because um, – like you can say it's uncomfortable to talk about and I'm sure it is talking about white supremacy for white people is not comfortable. Um, but also experiencing white supremacy is less, is like, like it's more of a discomfort than talking about it. So, uh, I just think it's such a disservice to people, um, to not be talking about those things. And I know for me personally, I've been very honest about the fact that like, I just don't, I don't, I don't, it's hard, but I don't, it's not even hard. It's a choice. I'm really cautious about whose programs I'm promoting or who I'm like partnering with on projects, because if you're not willing to talk about those things, we, we can't work together. <laughs> I like, it's just, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really important for me to work with people who understand and who are willing to have those uncomfortable conversations because nothing good happens. No growth or change occurs if you don't get uncomfortable. Like that's just what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for that. And it was like you're mentioning when you're speaking, these topics are related to health. And if we're going to consider ourselves to be health professionals, then we need to dive in. Absolutely. We need to be educating ourselves and learning about these topics and speaking about them. Absolutely. Yeah. <sighs> Thank you so much, Chrissy King, for coming yeah. on. Where can people find out more about you and your work? Absolutely. Um, you can find me on Instagram at I am Chrissy King. Um, I'm still on Facebook a little bit, not as much, but, um, it's, uh, facebook.com backslash Chrissy King fitness, um, on Twitter, I am Chrissy King. And then my website, ChrissyKing.com. And thank you so much for having me on. I, I like seriously appreciate people who are willing to have these conversations on their podcast, not only because I love talking about them, because I think they're really important. So I really appreciate you using your platform to have these conversations. Thank you so much. We really, truly love having you on. And I know this episode is going to be so important for people to hear. So thank you. We will have all of that information about Chrissy in the show notes and where you can find and follow her and on her online programs. And do you coach people in person or specifically? I, no, I'm just coaching online right now. So no in person at the time. All right. Excellent. Yeah. Okay, Chrissy, thank you so much. We would love to have you back again in the future and chat with more about all these things. Awesome. Thank you. So in our next episode, we talk with Olivia Scobie, who is a social work counselor who specializes in perinatal mood, birth trauma, and maternal mental health. So we talk all about signs and symptoms of postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, PTSD, postpartum, as well as common questions um, that our care providers should be asking us how often that these things actually happen um, and support resources for you and for friends and family. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 